Welcome to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast, where we focus on how authors found success, looking at strategies that have taken them to the top of the bestseller charts, as well as what they've learned from their mistakes. Because being an indie author is more than knowing the latest marketing trend. It's about being innovative and creative and learning from your mistakes. Welcome to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast. I'm Sarah Rosette. And I'm Jamie Albright. And this week on the show, we're going to answer your questions. Yes, this is an Ask Us Anything. So we're going to do a quick update and then we'll jump into those questions and run through them and give you our best answers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Jamie, what have you been doing since we last (laughs) talked? (laughs) I've been in Italy and and, uh, the reason Sarah said a quick update and run through these questions because I hope I can stay awake while we're doing them. Uh, our flight home was fine, but until we got to New York yesterday and then it got delayed and I was trying not to get asleep on the flight because I wanted to wait, you know, get back on the right sleep. time and yeah, everything. Exactly. Yeah. And y'all, I'm not kidding. I went to the bathroom during the flight and fell asleep on the <gasps> toilet. Oh no. Yeah. Like I started to fall forward and that's when I woke myself up. I mean, I was so tired. The glamour of international travel, right? Yes, exactly. But we had a great time. I mean, my daughter, um, this was my Christmas present, uh, the the flights and, and some of the hotels. And, and then we sort of split the activities and everything. But it was very generous and very sweet. And I am telling you right now, we had the best time. We had the best time. And Alexa has a really big Instagram following. So we... Uh, we really messed up. We should have created a TikTok account. Oh, but then you would have been doing and, that the whole time, right? Uh, well, we were pretty much doing that the whole time anyway. But <laughs> um, and then tag the Travel Channel because I'm mm. just convinced we need our own show. Um, it was so funny. Like we had just gotten to Venice, and I did something. I don't remember what it was. And she said, "Why are you doing that?" And I was like, "Oh, I don't know. Went in Rome." And <laughs> Of course, we weren't in Rome. We were in Venice. We never went to Rome, but we kept saying over and over, when in Rome. So we just feel like our TV show should be called when in Rome. And uh, then we never go to Rome. And but (laughs) it (laughs) it was hilarious. It was Um, just hilarious. I mean, most of her stories were, you know, crazy things that I did, but we just, we did, we had the best time and yeah. But I'm exhausted, you know, 10 days travel and we went to Cinque Terre, which is, or it's Cinque, yeah, Cinque Terre. I mean, I'm the worst. My accent's horrible. Enough for a Texan, right? Right. And, (laughs) um, but there, you know, stairs, it's built into the the cliffs. And so you have to walk all these stairs. And I had been walking a lot to, you know, build up my stamina for walking through Italy but I should have added stairs to my regiment. Oh my goodness. I I hear you. Mama, mama was tired and having a hard time getting up and down those stairs. So um, Mm -hmm. next time I'll have to make sure I add the stairs, the stairmaster. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was great. Yeah. So what was your favorite thing to see? Venice or do I just love it. We went to Venice, Florence and Cinque Terre and I love Cinque Terre too. And of course I love Venice, but, uh, I mean, I love Florence, but Venice was just—it's mm. just so unique, isn't it? I mean, there's it's just nothing amazing. like it in the world. There's yeah, nothing like it. And um, I mean, I honestly believe you could live there a year and not, never eat at all the restaurants oh, that yeah. are there. And yeah. Um, yeah, we just had, and actually, 
on Friday, we woke up at 4 a.m., went to the airport at 5, got to the airport and realized our flight was the next day. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so, oh, my gosh. So, and, and we had already had a little struggle finding someone to do our COVID test to come home. Right. The day before, in fact, we had gotten it done like at 6 o'clock the night before. So we had to, we turned around, went right back to the hotel we had just checked out of and got another room, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for the next night, for that night, and then had to go back and try to get another COVID test because the one yeah. we got at six o'clock would not be good for the next day at 5 a.m. or 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. whenever we checked, we're leaving. And, uh, but then we ended up having a bonus day in Venice, which yeah. is never a bad thing. And, uh, we just had, we we just had a wonderful time and mostly mostly just rolled with the things that there weren't very many things that happened that was the biggest i guess mm-hmm. um and it wasn't that big a deal um but yeah we did we did we had a great time so i'm, oh, I'm awesome. glad to be home but i'm also sad because it's just i mean it's just amazing it's mm-hmm. Nothing like it. Nothing in the world like it. And Italy itself is just amazing. We, we saw the statue of David. And, you know, I mean, I knew I would be impressed, but I, I, I like, it was breathtaking. I gasped when I mm-hmm. gasped when I saw it. It was just so remarkable. Just yeah. remarkable. And so, yeah, I, I'm glad we got to do it. Um, I'd go back. Because even even with that long travel, I'd still go back. It was just, mm-hmm. yeah. So, what about you? What's been going on with you? Well, nothing nearly that exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Can't really top Italy. Oh my gosh, um, it was great. Yeah, it's been a crazy week. It's been we are getting new countertops, and um, you know, and I thought, oh, we're not recording any podcasts. You know, these like about a week and a half, and mm-hmm. and I'll be able to get so much done and. We've had people in and out of our house, you know, just all day, mm-hmm. all kinds of doing all kinds of mm-hmm. things and noise. Mm-hmm. And so um, I did get some work done and it's, oh, still, good. you know, pretty good. But, you know, sometimes I feel like it's amazing I ever get anything done. Yeah, <laughs> anyway. I know. I know. <laughs> but just pressing on doing what, what I can. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. So and then um, I did get some words written for I joined. Um, Daniel Wilcox set up the fundraiser for the Ukrainians. The mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. Ukraine. And I think when this goes out, it will be the last day of that fundraiser. So if anyone wanted to get involved, mm-hmm. you could go to activatedauthors.com forward slash Ukraine and sign up mm-hmm. for one day and participate. Mm-hmm. So, but that was fun. It was, you know, mm-hmm. to do, um, you just kept track of your word count in a spreadsheet and it was mm-hmm. neat to see where everybody was from. And yeah. They're writing. So that was kind of cool to yeah. see. So that's but, great. Yeah. So yeah. that's what's going on. And, yeah. and mentally, I've had some trouble concentrating with just all this stuff that's going on in the world. And yes. it's uh, kind of, it's hard not to. It's hard. I mean, while we were in Italy, I mean, we were having this wonderful time, but then it was like, you know, you just almost feel guilty because, yeah. you know, it's just hard. And it's, you know, uh, it's just hard to complain about anything for sure when you think about those those people and for any of our listeners who have family or friends or or in Ukraine or have 
fled from Ukraine. I mean, our hearts are with you. We're praying for you. Um, it's just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. very, it's very hard. It's, it's just hard to, and, and because everything's so real time, mm-hmm. uh, because of social media and everything, it's just super, super sad. It can be very heavy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just our hearts, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And I mean, not to make it about us at all, but because they're the ones that really. Yeah, but, but it's because like. Mm-hmm. Go back to strengths. I'm top five empathy. So mm-hmm. me too. Yeah. It impacts me mm-hmm. and I just I can't like get it out of my head. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. not that I want to, but it does. No, not at all, but mm-hmm. everything. So, so anyway, um, yeah, that was going on too. So that was kind of mm-hmm. just, so anyway, that's what's been going on for me. Not anything like Italy, but mm-hmm. I, no. I'm happy to live vicariously through you. <laughs> <laughs> really true. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was just so great. I mean, we did a cooking class in this lady's house in the, in her home, and that was just amazing. I mean, it was just a, it was just like we walked in and just started cooking. It wasn't commercial or anything. It was just so great. It was awesome. so great. Yeah, but um, if anybody wants any recommendations for Italy or activities, let me know, and I'll I'll give them to you and then if anybody knows of any other ways we can get involved or help or contribute or anything for ukraine or the people of ukraine uh post it in the uh, in the facebook group yeah yeah and i'll put a link to i did a little tiny mm-hmm. mini episode last week with some things that different listeners had recommended mm-hmm. so we can link to that in the mm-hmm. show so if you want to get back to that so that'd be great that'd be great all right well let's get going on these questions before I, the last remaining brain cell I have is uh, no longer. Yeah. Okay. All right. So Renee asks, how do you record audio yourself? What is the equipment you need? How do you edit, et cetera? Mm-hmm. So um, I'm, I'll put some links in the show notes, but we did do um, the podcast about how we do the show. That was mm-hmm. episode 100. So mm-hmm. that will be in the show notes. And it mm-hmm. kind of goes through step-by-step everything that we do. Yeah. 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 So we use Zoom and I've used, for my podcast that I do that's just me, I use Hindenburg. It's uh, it's a software that makes it super easy to edit audio. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so we just use Zoom. We keep it as simple as possible. Mm-hmm. And then we hand off the editing to Alexa because neither one of us wants to do it. <laughs> yeah. Alexa, my daughter, not Alexa, the AI. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and then we just, neither one of us really use a special mic. I know a lot of people do and good for them. I talk with my hands, so it's it's really hard for me to use a freestanding mic because I hit it. So my Apple headphone, headphone yeah. things, uh, not the AirPods, the, the, just the old-fashioned old headphones yeah. uh, work really well. And um, yeah. So that's, that's what we do. Yeah. So, so we keep it really simple, real simple. Cause we're simple people. Yeah. And then <laughs> Renee also had another question. Um, does death in the cozy mystery always have to be someone who was bad or villainous? I've been given this advice and I don't buy it. So I don't, I'm going to let you handle that one. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't buy it either. Um, I think the reason uh, people say to do that is because you have, 
it ta- like a cozy has a lighthearted tone. And if you have somebody who's really sweet and nice die, it's like, oh, it's kind of a, oh, it's kind of sad. Whereas if it's somebody villainous, you don't feel quite as bad mm-hmm. for them. But you can do it any way you want. You can have your victim be, you know, really sweet or really mean. And you just have to make it where you don't linger on the sadness of it. I think if it's mm-hmm. I read a cozy one time where it was a grandmother who was killed and I was like, oh. that's kind of sad. I didn't really like it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you just have to watch the tone, I think, is the deal with that. Right. Right. Yeah. So Jill asks, is there an ideal number of books for a series? Someone recently told me there was a sweet spot. The sweet spot was for as far as maximizing profits on book sets, et cetera. I've also heard write as many in a series as you can to promote read through. And she wants our thoughts. So I would say if you have a series, you can keep writing books in then keep writing books in those. Um, I will tell you that I, Honestly, I don't know if it was a mistake. I really don't know. And I won't know until I've sort of finished uh, this small town royalty series. But, I, you know, I was writing the bride's books and those books were super successful. And then when I switched and wrote something different, things changed. But also that happened right before the right before COVID. And so mm-hmm. I don't know if things changed because of COVID or if they changed because yeah. of the yeah, would have happened anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I have four books in the Bride series. It's great for profit and read through. Uh, but if I had more, uh, pe- I think that they would have. I would have even more profit and read through. So, um, the people who write as many books as they can in the series, I think they do really well. So that's my advice. Yeah. How about you, Sarah? What do you think? Well, I would say that. It depends on what kind of series you're writing. Cause like, well, that's I, true too. Yeah. 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 So I have the how to write a series book mm-hmm. and I'll link to that in the notes. And if you're writing a flat arc series with a character who doesn't change a whole lot, like a Miss Marple, a Perot, Jack Reacher, you kind of know what you're going to get. And it's more like those are more episodic. Whereas if you have a character that's got this big arc and they go through this big change, either in the book, first book or trilogy or series, once you get to the end of that, then what do you do? Like you've either got to reboot it or yeah, take the story. Create a new out. Yeah. Create yeah. a new arc. Yeah. Take it in a new direction. So like if you can keep a series going mm-hmm. and especially if you have a flat art character, you can keep it going for as many books as you want pretty right. much. Right. But the only drawback to that is that like, if you get to book 27, many readers may be like, Oh, I'm not going to buy book 27. And that's mm-hmm. a big commitment. So I don't really know that I want to do that. And then your, your long series depends on the strength of your book one. Right. If your book one isn't great, then yeah, you know, maybe too. it'd be better just to cut your losses and start a new series right. and go from there. But, um, and, but like for me, I don't know that I could write a series of 20 plus books. No, me either. Six or seven. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I kind of start losing steam, mm-hmm. but I have gotten to 10. So. Right. I would say six probably because then you could break them up into boxes, mm-hmm. two box sets, you know, later on down the road. Um, 
I write standalones in a series, so they're not continuation of characters, but I do know romance authors who write standalones in a series and they have brothers, you know, they may have yeah. four brothers, but then they've got the brother's friends and then they have the brothers or the brother's teammates. And, and mm-hmm. so you can stretch it out that way. Whatever you do though, I would write, series within series you know if you do that's a if you write standalone type things like in romance writing series within series is a great way to get read through from one of your series to another series Mm -hmm. and making them interconnected that way yeah so basically we don't think there's an ideal number no but sometimes just like if you have three books or four books it just makes it easier because mm-hmm. you can box them or you can make book one free and have yeah. you to sell through. So mm-hmm. we don't think that there's an ideal number. No. Okay. So Catherine says, can you describe your revision process? Lots of people say they revise in passes, but what passes and in what order? Very few people explain in much detail on what exactly a revision process looks like. What do you do for looking for plot holes, character arcs, world building, et cetera? And so I'm going to link to our episode 98 where we talk about writing, uh, writing and publishing tools we use in favorite craft books and organizing tips mm-hmm. because we do kind of go through, we talk through kind of how we write and what mm-hmm. we revise. Mm-hmm. So how would you say you do the revision passes? Um, well, <laughs> Does I, do the, I do the first draft, you know, which uh-huh. is the poopy first draft and yeah. then we're keeping it clean kids and <laughs> then um i have for the past couple few books sent it to a developmental editor right after that so she can look for my plot holes and just tell me if the story works or not and then based on her feedback i go through and fill in you know i fix the structural problems or the the story problems the first pass, the second pass. Um, well, and, and really the first pass too, I'm just cleaning up, mm-hmm. you know, messy, messy writing basically. Cause I don't write clean first drafts. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm not, sh- I'm taking out all my telling and putting showing, you know, if, if I try to, when I'm writing my first draft to, to show not yeah. tell, but you know, sometimes I don't as well as I need to. And so I do that along with the story issues. And then the next pass through is I'm making sure, you know, like all the senses, the sight smells, Mm -hmm. touch, you know, I mean, like I'm filling in, I'm putting things on the wall basically, you know, so that, um, and adding emotion um, to the book. You know, if I've if I've missed that in the first pat first or second pass, I, I make sure that the emotion is really what I want it to be, and mm-hmm. um, and then so that's one two yeah one two, and then I usually do three passes, and then the third pass is just making sure you know I haven't missed anything, you yeah. know, just kind of moving on, you know, making sure it's mm-hmm. as clean as possible. It's as, you know, done. I mean, mm-hmm. it's done at that point. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm just taking another pass through it. And then I yeah. send it to my editor. Yeah. So I do the same thing. I feel like I move from like high level overview down into detail. Yeah. You know, so like the first when I finish it, mm-hmm. and I'm a slow writer. So like I'm already doing a lot of the 
scene setting and scene description yeah. as I'm writing. So I don't really go back and do that. Yeah. Because, I, I don't really yeah. have a lot of that. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I can't move forward until I have like what the room looks like, what their clothes mm-hmm. look like and all that stuff. So I do a lot of that mm-hmm. in my first draft, but that makes my first draft slow compared mm-hmm. to some people, but I'll do that. And then I'll go back and I make sure like all the pieces and parts are there, like that mm-hmm. it makes sense. And that, you know, like, oh, I need to fill in this. How did they get from here to there? I need to write this scene or this quick transition scene or sentence and I'll fix all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then once I have everything making sense, I'll go through and I do like that emotional and I make sure that like there's no big reveal and there's not like sometimes something will happen and I'm just getting the mystery down. And then I need to go back in and put like how somebody felt or how they mm-hmm. reacted or mm-hmm. why they did what they did. You know, it like kind of gives some internal Right. Thoughts or feelings or reactions. And then I'll, and a lot of these I'm doing at the same time. I've noticed that like the, the more books I've written, I can, I can handle combining different things, you know, like yeah, yeah. I'll do, I mean, I don't mentally think, okay, now it's time to do the, you know, you know, check for smells and stuff. Right, 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 just, right. I just kind of combine it and do it kind of in, Mm-hmm. middle you know and then as i get down into it then i feel like the story's good the description's good mm-hmm. then i went through and i'm checking um grammar spelling mm-hmm. you know is there enough white space on the page things like that that are more mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense for me to do that to something that i might delete later you know right like, i wouldn't right. do that first mm-hmm. so I do that until the end and then i'm pretty much you know, I'm pretty pretty sick of it at that point. <laughs> so that's kind of how I do it. I kind of do big picture down into, mm-hmm. I'll get down in the weeds as mm-hmm. I go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I agree. I agree. I, I just, th- I think I, the more books I write, you know, by the time I've gotten through that first draft, even though it's poopy, it's still structurally pretty strong. I mean, I, I've mm-hmm. rarely sent it to a developmental editor where she's gone, hey, <laughs> we have issues. We need you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, there may be some holes here and there, but there's there's nothing structurally wrong with story, you know, kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, so EM, no, I'm sorry, Lyra says, or Lyra, Lyra? Sorry, uh, <laughs> says beginning uh, that I'm beginning a pen name and I will need to set up a Facebook author page for it. How do I do this for my current pro- from my current profile or another way? And we're going to link to the six figure author podcast about pen names where they talk about this. Um, Sarah, do you have any ideas on this? Well, I don't have a pen name, so mm-hmm. I'm not familiar with how you would set this up. So mm-hmm. I would say you know, Google it, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, research it as yeah. people. Yeah. yeah. Ask yeah. other groups because I'm certainly not an expert on this. Jamie, do you have any thoughts? And I just thought we'd link to the yeah. podcast um, because they have the, like the whole podcast, like a deep dive on pin. Yeah. I, I think we should just link to that. Uh, you want to make sure you're not violating any terms of service or anything like that. Uh, but um and know that if you set it up from your current profile, that that people will be able to find you. I mean, find your if it's your real like name, original, like yeah, yeah, the the name you, your profile's under. Yeah. Um, so you just need to know that. Yeah. 
Yeah. So sorry, we're not super no. good experts on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe we'll have a guest on soon. We can ask. Yeah, them. we should do that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So EM says, what's the best way to get ARC readers if you're new? Um, so this is like a big question. Um, mm-hmm. I think for me, what I did when I started out was I, uh, I gave the book away and then I just recruited from people that I got responses from. Mm-hmm. So I set up giveaways at Goodreads and library thing. Mm-hmm. And then when people responded and were interested, I would say, Hey, would you like to be on my art team? And, uh, and you can also do like, if you have a newsletter list, you can recruit from your newsletter list. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Do you have any yeah. thoughts? on um, that? Yeah. If you're new, um, the best way is, I, I think, to use something like Booksprout is a good way because they have affordable plans. Like, I think for $6, you can get 25 reviews. You know, you can give away 25 copies. For $14, mm-hmm. uh, these are per month uh, things, then you can do three campaigns for and have 50 reviews I, I checked before we got on here mm-hmm. uh they have a couple of other plans that are good too but um when i started i used a, a service called shifted sheets and but i don't know that they're doing the same sort of thing now uh you but it was similar find, yeah, yeah you could probably find genre specific promotions mm-hmm. right yeah hidden gems don't they do something I'm not sure I haven't ever used them, but I would say like whatever genre you're in, mm-hmm. ask author groups and do some uh, Google searches and find mm-hmm. out because there are a lot of promo sites that can help with this, that can help mm-hmm. get your book out. Right. And then as you build your email list, uh, my, and I've talked about this before, but that my automation series, the last email in my automation series I ask people if they want to be on my art team. So uh, that's a good way to build your art team out, mm-hmm. you know, as you, as you get more people, because they're, they're your readers. They're, they're people who do like your books. So that's yeah. a good way to do it. So Yeah. Yeah. And we'll- there are a couple of services that are just not very expensive mm-hmm. that uh, do it. Any other thoughts, Sarah? Um, I, I'll just link to our episode 31 about how to get and use reviews because we mm-hmm. go pretty in-depth into that, like mm-hmm. how to find reviews mm-hmm. uh, professional and reader reviews and mm-hmm. kind of cover all kinds of different options and ways to use them in your marketing. So, right, that's right, kind of, right. so I'll link to that. Yeah, that's good. That's a good idea. Yeah. So Maya says, I'd love to know more about marketing on a budget and finding readers, especially how it might look in post-COVID world. Um, We're going to link to episode 64 of our podcast uh, where we talk about, Sarah and I talk about newsletters and answer other burning questions (laughs) because I think we talk about this a little bit there. But Mm -hmm. I'm not sure even in a post-COVID world it's going to be that much different than a pre-COVID world, frankly, um, there are ways to market on a budget. It's it's not super hard. Uh, one of the ways simply is to, if you're, especially if you're going to launch a book, but, um, you know, running promos on um, your books 
where your book is 99 cents or free and you do some of the newsletter mm-hmm. uh, promos. They're not very expensive. They're a good way. If you have multiple books, they're a good way uh, to, you know, get, keep things moving. I mm-hmm. actually probably need to do more of this. Um, if you're launching on a budget, then launching at 99 cents and running newsletter promos is a good way to, in my opinion, to get your book in front of people and be able to uh, have people see it for, a, you know, a smaller budget. If you're working yeah. with a smaller budget, that's, yeah. that's my opinion. Yeah. And if you have multiple books, first and series free. Yeah. Always a good thing because you can put that book for free. Yep. You advertise to it on these smaller sites. And if you just set up a little list and rotate through it and don't hit them all like mm-hmm. same month, you know, you can kind of spread it out and get people reading it, reading through. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I would say there's lots of things you can do like um, podcast. You know, I mean, that mm-hmm. costs them to do your own podcast, but if you're willing to be a guest on podcast, mm-hmm. if you can find something that's related to mm-hmm. your books, your writing, like if you write, you know, science fiction and you can find mm-hmm. some podcasts that are interested in science and how it goes in your book and mm-hmm. research you've done, you know, there's lots of things you can do that way. I would say maybe try and think beyond ads because mm-hmm. ads require at least an initial investment. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I would say first and free and then podcast or mm-hmm. blogs. I don't know that Gress blogs are as good a use of your time as podcast right now. No, no. And first, first in series free works better if you're wide than if mm-hmm. you're in KU. Um, yeah. Frankly, KU is kind of a good way mm-hmm. to market on a budget because you, yeah. you have a, a bit of a platform built in there, but uh, you know, that's, that's a personal choice for everybody. Yeah. Um, also, um, I would say that, um, ooh, y'all, my brain. <laughs> I have something. Oh, good. Do you say yours in the, <laughs> y'all, okay. this is scary. Okay. You, okay we're, you almost said. <laughs> we're almost <laughs> done. More question after this. Um, I was going to say, like, networking with other authors. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get together. Newsletter swaps. Do a yeah. newsletter swap do an anthology, do um, joint mm-hmm. promotions. Maybe you don't even mm-hmm. do anything except you agree. We're all going to shout out each other's books mm-hmm. you know, during this schedule. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll take January, you take February, you know, yeah. so stuff like that, that doesn't cost anything, mm-hmm. but as long as you have author friends and can make some connections that can give mm-hmm. you good. Yeah. yeah. Newsletter swaps is what I was going to say. Okay, perfect. <laughs> We're like. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Newsletter swaps really helped me when I first started and didn't really have any money. Um, and that they really kept my book vi- visible uh, mm-hmm. during that time. So to the right, to the right readers. So yeah. I think that's really important. Um, anything okay. else? No, I think that's, that one? I think that's good. And I'll, we, if we think of more, oh, we might do a special episode or something. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do have one more thing. Sorry. TikTok. It takes okay. a while to grow an audience, but I will say that TikTok does sell books. I mean, you know, book talk mm-hmm. is part is like, so you're on TikTok, but you, you're getting to certain sides of TikTok and book talk is one of them. And uh, they do sell books. You know, I mean, there are some people just, 
making a lot of money and not spending one penny on advertising. They're yeah. just, they're just growing their TikTok. So, you know, those are few and far between, but even like me that, that, I mean, I'm, I do not, I've only ever had one viral video and that was at the very beginning. And, but I can still tell when my, I have a TikTok that's doing pretty good, pretty good, you know, maybe a thousand views or something. Uh, you can see my sales and my borrows go up. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. So last question is from G, the mm-hmm. initial G. Um, I have a, cra- a question about craft. How, mm-hmm. when do you know when you, when you're done with a book that you've done mm-hmm. all your research, no more rabbit holes, you've adjusted what you can, your readers, <laughs> You trust have read it and you can finally let it go. And then she says, cue Disney gif of the <laughs> song. Um, I spe- suspect it gets easier the more you do and that you don't also sweat the small stuff quite as much, but tips would be appreciated. So, mm. yeah, for me, I don't know on this. I think <laughs> when, I'm, when I'm so sick of the book, yeah. I, I usually know I need to read it one or two more times, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm oh, I got to go check these five things, mm-hmm. kind of the list in my head of like, oh, I've got to go mm-hmm. fix this and make sure this flows. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it it is tough to tell. And usually I'm so sick of the book. That's usually how I know because I'm yeah. really tired of reading it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I make, I do not keep a list in my head because I have a hole in my head. Uh, I write things down. Like if I'm, as I'm going through, I'm like, oh, I need to make sure, you know, that I say something about his dead father or whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, one, and I, and as I go back, you know, during revisions, I'm marking those things off. And as soon as that list is empty or completely marked off, then, oh, one thing, and this is part of revisions too. I do do a pass where I, the kind of keywords and phrases that I use that are common and stuff. Um, I will go through and search for those and stuff, but I, I know I'm done when I've told the story. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Like, Mm -hmm. like when I've gotten to the end of the book and I, and I know that that story has been told, you Mm -hmm. know, it's different if you're writing nonfiction or if you're writing like historical fiction, because you do have Mm -hmm. more research and stuff to do, but my holes are plugged early in the process. And then um, I just think, I really feel like it's when you just, you just have a sense the story has been told. Yeah. And add anything to it. You're, I mean, to, to add to the word count or add, Mm -hmm. you're not, you're not adding to the story. Right. Yeah. It's not getting any better. You're just adding words. Yeah. That's a good way to say it because I feel like there's a point where, I, there's the quote about I spent all afternoon taking out a comma and I put spent all the next day putting it back in. That's not the right quote, but I get to that point where I'm like agonizing over does this yeah. go here and mm-hmm. kind of like I'm just spinning my wheels. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty much done and I'm not going to do any more big changes. Yeah, then that's kind of the point where I know okay I need to send it off and let somebody else let the editor look yeah. at it and get yeah. some feedback yeah. and you know. Yeah. Then I'll make more changes, you know, because yes. I'll have more to do in the next round. Right. This is something right. that you just do kind of get the feel for it. Mm-hmm. I don't know that anybody ever says, well, I'm 
totally done with that, you know, with 100% confidence and sends it off, you know. I have written the perfect book and <laughs> now need to never touch it again. No, that never happens. But I think so. But I think it well, is. Because you can yeah. also think you've written the perfect book and send it to your editor and then she can send you a nine paragraph email saying, ah, we got an issue. And, you know, yeah. then yeah. you think, wow, I didn't see that coming. So, you know. Yeah. It just, yeah. How it is. A, it's it's an intuitive thing. So it is. It is an intuitive. Get thing. better at it. I think as you go along, you do, and you need to trust your gut on it. I mean, you really do. As the author, need to trust your gut. Does that mean it's perfect? No. Does that mean some people will think it's imperfect? Yes. But you're the author, and you get to tell the story. And to me, it's about telling the story, not writing the perfect book. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, I think that's great. So we made for all the questions and Jamie stayed awake. I did. (laughs) I only lost the the, the thread of the conversation once. That's good. So, yeah. 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 So I think that that was good. And we're happy to answer your questions in the group. If you have more questions or want more details on this, just let us know. Yeah. And I think we'll wrap it up there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for listening. And all the show notes will be at wishinknownthenpodcast.com. Yep. Thanks to Alexa Larberg for editing and producing. Mm -hmm. To Adriel Wiggins for doing the admin. We'll see you all next. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast. We hope this episode inspired you, empowered you, and made you laugh a little bit too. If you loved it, tell your friends about it. And if you feel so inclined, leave us a review. We look forward to being with you again next week.